Does he have his your microphone? Okay, good. We're honored to have Dr. Mac Bagwell. As he comes, we're going to uh, just thank God for that singing tonight. I believe Brother Bagwell preached something about that in the 112th chapter, didn't he? About the generations after, if we'll follow him, what he will do for the generation and generation and generation. Proof? We follow God and he'll take care of all, everything else. Dr. Mike Bagwell, his wife Debbie here this week. We're so honored to have them. A lot of churches would love to have him, and he schedules, I hope he's got one scheduled next year. We hadn't talked about it, but uh, we'll talk about that later. But we look forward every year, and we may be in heaven next year, but if we aren't, we'll try to work things out. Dr. Bagwell, we're honored to have you, my brother. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank the Lord. Most of all, thank him for being here. in my heart to preach from Psalm 112, and uh, the Lord willing, I will do that tomorrow night, and Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. I read it this morning, drew some comments from it. But I have learned in my prayer, preparation, and study, it's going to be awful hard to preach Psalm 112 without first preaching Psalm 111. Seems like they go together. I can summarize, or try to summarize Psalm 112 with one word, man. It's about mankind. Oh, oh, I gotta add a word, Psalm 112. Saved man. Godly man. Reverent, worshiping man. And I'll promise you this, Brother Roy just broached the subject. God will bless that man. But Psalm 111, it's not about man. Not about his blessings. Not about his reverence. Psalm 111, and I do hope I get some scattered amens, it's all about God. Wouldn't be any blessings without Him. I believe every good and perfect gift does come down from above. From the Father. There, Psalm 111, that's all I'm trying to say. Psalm 111. I'll tell you what I'd like to do. Didn't do it this morning, deliberately. I want to read the text to you. Brother Roy, I I do not always read my entire text every time I preach from it. This is a series, I guess you'd call it. Of sermons, but it's on my heart to do that tonight. Why? All I know to do is say, I believe the Lord's leading me. But there's a secondary reason. We are this week as a group in a, in a challenge, in a program, in, in a goal of reading Psalm 112 over and over again. And I told you this morning, you could read 111 and count it as 112 because it's sort of a unit, they call it a couplet. And uh, some of you have done that. If I can get through preaching in time, Brother Lloyd, like we've done other years on account, how many times we've read or heard Psalm 112 or 111 today. Already got my frame in place. Psalm 112, how many times have we read it? Only the Lord knows that so far. So, I'm going to read to everybody here Psalm 111. Because we have visitors tonight. And visitors tonight didn't know about our reading program. They weren't here this morning. And I won't, see if you get it, I want everybody to have at least one. So I'm giving you one. Psalm 
111. Count it directly, please. I like the way it begins. Praise ye the Lord. <laughs> Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Where? In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. May I add, that's a pretty good place to praise God. In the congregation. Announcement, we're in a congregation right now. Guess it'd be alright to praise Him. Verse 2. two. The works of the Lord are Tell me what it says. Great. Excuse me, I want to say something to him. How great thou art. The works of the Lord are great. And sought out, studied, analyzed, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is, say we're talking about God's work. His work is honorable. and His work is honorable. I want to say this, see if I get an amen. He ain't never done nothing wrong. His work is honorable and glorious and His righteousness endureth forever. I'm glad He's not just a righteous God for the next ten years. Forever. Oh, verse 4. It's only got 10. He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. He didn't part the Red Sea so we'd soon forget about it. To be remembered. Anybody remember the night He saved your soul? Don't ever forget it. That was a greater miracle than parting the Red Sea. Salvation of us old sinners. Uh, what verse am I in? Four. He hath made his wonderful works to, rem to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Now, every now and then I'm prone to do that. I'm sort of asking for a little help. But some of these ought to be can't help it, amen. I don't have to do that. I'll read that verse again. <laughs> the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat. Wow. He hath given meat, food, to them that fear Him. And we will ever be mindful of His covenant. Oh, i got to tell you something. The day God saved you, if you'll allow me, the day He entered into covenant agreement with you, washed your sins away, He's never going to forget that day. That's what it says right there. He, he will not. He'll be ever mindful of His covenant. Verse 6. He has shown His people the power of His works. The power of His works. Uh, the theologians say he's omnipotent. That means he's an all-powerful God. I just want to take a little survey. You, you can talk to me if you want to. Anybody here ever seen God do something powerful in your life? Uh, verse 6, he has shown his people the power of his works. That it means in order that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. Now, I'm not sure I understand that real good. That he may give them the heritage of the heathen. But I'm going to go through it a verse at a time. And I got an idea about what it means when God gives his people the heritage of the heathen. Don't matter if I understand it or not, he said he was going to do it and he will. Whether I ever comprehend it or not, he'll give them the heritage. Verse 7. The works of His hands are verity and judgment and all His commandments are sure. By the way, we have just shifted from His works to His commandments. 
See it, preacher. Been talking about his works the whole time. Now all of a sudden we're talking about his commandments. Oh. Watch, I want you to see it. We talked about his works for a while, commandments. Now we're going to talk about his word for a while. You won't admire his works long, but you get interested in what he said. You want to know about his word. The works of the Lord, but doing all his commandments, verse 8, God's commandments. They stand fast forever and ever. They're done in truth and righteousness. Look what God does in verse 9. You won't be able to stay quiet. He sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. I love this line. Verse 9 is probably for preachers the outstanding element in Psalm 111. Let me read it. Holy, holy and reverend is his name. I think, I think he is the holiest of all. Hey, I think where he lives ought to be called the Holy of Holies. And it is. His name is, his name is Holy and Reverend. We'll talk about it. Verse 10. No doubt, verse 10 is the key verse. Everything hinges on verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments, obey His word. His praise, His praise endureth forever. We just well get used to praising Him down here. Because we're flat going to do it forevermore when we get over there. That's Psalm 111. Isn't it a jewel? Isn't it precious? Debbie told me the other day, she said, Honey, do you realize how much you're preaching in the Psalms lately? And I appreciate what she said. I want to be a balanced preacher. I want to preach the whole counsel of God. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought down in my heart, Honey, there are 150 of them. She knows I thought it now, don't she? <laughs> Let's look at it. Let's analyze somewhat. You see, what was on my heart? I just wanted to preach how God wants to bless us, how God will be good to us, how it is God's nature to give and give and give. And that's Psalm 112. But the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me. He said, you're not going to preach on the blessings, the blessings, the blessings, the blessings, the blessings. Psalm 112, until you spend the sermon, until you spend an evening on the giver, the giver, the great God, the creator, the redeemer in Psalm 111. Hallelujah. Preacher, you said it right. Seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He'll take care of the blessing. All these things will be added unto you. If anybody's interested, I've got liberty tonight. And I thank God for it. This is a good preaching atmosphere. Might have been the good singing. It went ahead. And hold. i got to tell you something. It does not have one thing to do with my text. But i got to tell you something. One day the prophet Elisha was asked to come before a king. It was Jehoshaphat. And uh, to give him some advice. The only problem, King Jehoshaphat, godly king, had been palling around with a wicked king of Israel called Ahab. You don't have no business hanging around them rotten reprobates. But he was. And they sent for Elisha, and they needed some advice. They needed some counsel. Uh, what do we do in this situation? 
And Elisha got there, man of God, that he was double portion of the Spirit all over. And he said, he said, I can't help you. Don't have no liberty. Can't, no way in the world I'm going to be able to tell you what to do. Said there's a bad spirit in this place. Jezebel, Ahab, Baal worship, I call that pretty bad. And Elisha said this, and it ought to be a blessing to y'all. He said, bring me a Holy Ghost filled musician. Bring me somebody that knows how to walk with God, that's a minstrel, that can play those instruments and let them play a while and then I'll preach. And they came and they played and God blessed and I'm happy to announce hallelujah. I hope you'll say amen and see why I'm saying it. Elisha cut loose preaching with liberty. It makes a difference. The singing. It's godly singing. When you're ready to preach, it sure does prepare for the reception of the Word of God. Verse 1. I laid it here. Verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. That, that verb praise, it's halal. The verb there for praise is in the imperative mood. What does that mean? God's not begging us to praise Him. God's not even suggesting that we praise Him. Imperative mood, God is demanding, commanding that we praise Him. If I don't praise Him, I'm guilty of sin then, I reckon. Praise ye the Lord. Well, I'm not going to go down there and praise the Lord. I don't feel good. That's not what He said. Well, I'm not going to go down there and praise the Lord. I had a little disagreement with my wife on the way to church, and I, I say, don't move me, praising God. And I, that's not what it said. Well, I'm not going to praise God. That church down there, they're real quiet, and they don't get into that too much, and I'll stick out like a sore thumb. I, I, that's not what it said. We don't have a choice. It's our duty to praise Almighty God. Praise you, Lord. That might be why God wouldn't let me preach on the blessings of mankind, Psalm 112, until I'd praise the Lord a little bit. In Psalm 111, praise ye the Lord. Oh, there's so much ought to be said there, but let me let me praise you, the Lord. I want to give you, I want to give you that sentence, and it is a sentence. Praise you, the Lord. I'm going to give it to you in Hebrew. Don't know all that much Hebrew, but, but I, I, I know this a little bit. Praise ye the Lord. The verb is halal. Halal. Imperative mood is as it means praise. Now, the word Lord is an interesting word, and usually it's Yahweh, which is Jehovah. But for some strange reason here, the Holy Ghost shortens it, and it's not Yahweh. It is simply Yah. means the same thing. It's essentially identical. But now, let me put together, see if you get it, the Holy Ghost sentence. Hallel Yah. Somebody's ahead of me over there. And in Hebrew, when you've got the verb halal, and then you've got the direct object, yah, there is a vowel sound inserted, happens to be the U, and it comes out like this. Hallelujah! I wonder if I could hear a good one from y'all tonight. Hallelujah! Do it again! We're demanded to do it. Praise ye the Lord. But there's more than that command in verse 1. Oh my. He got the message. I will praise the Lord. Listen to this. It's a prepositional phrase in English. With my whole heart. Well, that didn't get much. Of the, with my whole heart. There's too much half-hearted Praising of the Lord. Or cold-hearted. 
praising of the Lord, or double-hearted praising of the Lord with my whole heart. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes says it again really essentially in the book of Proverbs. He says this, and this is not King James, but, but it's the essence of it. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Do it with all your might. He's going to praise God with his whole heart. Uh, by the way, if you're going to preach, preach with your whole heart. Give it everything you got. It's a treat for Deb and me to be here on Sunday night. I, I'm preaching tonight uh, to more people on Sunday evening than I generally preach to on Sunday morning. Uh, and, and this will probably ruin me as an evangelist. Uh, I'd be tickled for this roll back through here. <laughs> and, and that's on Sunday morning, if you don't know the truth. <laughs> I, I preached to some choirs that wasn't quite full on Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen. But somebody, to the glory of God, they, they tried to and they succeeded to encourage Brother Back. They said this, Said, Brother Bagwell, we heard you the other day at a camp meeting, thousand people there, and said, now we've heard you tonight. Said, I counted them, 32 folks in attendance. Said, I believe you gave it as much tonight as you did at the camp meeting. I just, I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, glory to God. He's worth every bit of it. Let's praise Him with our whole heart. Does that make any sense? Verse 1. In the assembly of the upright, and in the congregation. Obviously, we're to praise Him everywhere we go. But everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Psalm 110. But, but, but here, He said there's some special places you ought to be praising me. wonder where they are. Verse 1. Oh yeah. In the assembly, and in the congregation. If you can't praise God here, in this sweet environment, you ain't going to be much, you're not going to do much praising down at the barbershop. When my daddy was trying to teach me to ride the bicycle, I remember that. Preacher, they put something on there called training wheels. Heck, it's just two little wheels at the back and, uh, and, and it would keep you from falling down and, and, and I'd ride and, and finally one day dad raised those two wheels and I was wobbling a little more but he was teaching me was trying, all I'm trying to say is this if you can't praise God here in the training wheel territory you're not going to praise him in the devil's territory uh, let's go to verse 2 The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Give me, can't spend as long as I did in verse 1 on each of these verses, not by, by any means. Uh, let, let me read them. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. The noun that is used there for works, it does not mean something he does once. It's something he does with somebody nod at me over and over and over again. He does it so often. He does it so much. It becomes, I'll need an amen, a way of life with him. The works of the Lord are great. Gadol, G-A-D-O-L, they're great. Can I make an announcement? We got a big God tonight. What works of God would that be? Well, I'll tell you what, creating the world in six days ain't peanuts. Say amen right there. And yeah, you're looking at an old-fashioned preacher that believed those days are 24-hour periods of time. I don't believe they're millions of years, eons. We don't have to bow 
to a godless evolutionist somewhere, we still believe the Word of God and hold our heads. I heard this poem the other day. I don't know if I gave it to you but last year in Psalm 104 or not. It's the evolutionist watch cry. Once I was a monkey hanging in a tree. Now I'm a college professor with a Ph.D. I think I'll just go with God. I'm telling you, His works, they're great and they're sought out of all them that have pleasure. Science, scientists, they won't tell you this anymore. Too many of them are atheists. But years ago, science was founded on that old book there, the Word of the Living God. There's folks believing that... Isaiah says God sits on the circle of the earth. The Bible tells me, the Bible tells me accidentally, the Bible tells me accidentally more science than we will ever read. The life of the flesh is in the blood. That's a scientific statement. For years and years, George Washington died this way. You get sick, they'd take blood out of your body. They'd say something's wrong with his blood. Get it out and he might get better. That don't make good sense. But that, but Deuteronomy, God said the life of the flesh is in the blood. And then one day science went, Duh, guess what? We've been taking out what they need to live. Did you know that? God's a smart God, ladies and gentlemen. It's just bragging on the Lord, and it is fun. That's what science does. Thinking God's thoughts after Him, investigating the things of God, making brilliant. God is the original scientist. Let's go to verse not only is his work great but his work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever oh my how much preaching is that his work is honorable and glorious I tell you what I'm going to do just having this thought, but I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to describe to you what I personally believe is the greatest work God has ever done. Now, what I'm about to describe is based on the death, burial, and resurrection. The greatest thing God ever did was send His Son to die on an old rugged cross. Well, I get an amen so He could save sinners like we are. What does it say about God's work? I merely, oh, oh, His work is honorable and glorious. The world mocks the cross. The world derides the cross. Paul says it's a shame. It's foolishness to different people groups. But I'm telling you tonight, will I get an amen? I love the old rugged cross. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save. In the cross. He wanted to brag on Savior and that cross. But, but wait a minute, preacher. It's glorious, that old rugged cross, but, but, but it says it's honorable. Honorable. Let me tell you something about the cross of Calvary. God devised a way He could get us old sinners saved. Hope I get an amen. And He devised it the right way. Now follow me. I want you to follow my reasoning. God's God. Do anything He wants to. He's omnipotent. He's a sovereign God. I guess God could have just looked at an old sinner and said, you're a mess, but I love you. Just slide by me. I'll look the other way. We'll get you in heaven somehow. That's what the liberals say. God does. The liberals are saying, forget the cross, forget the blood, forget atonement. God, the, the main, God's a God of love. and God, uh, They're preaching now, even people in hell. God's going to change His mind. God's going to stop the flame. God's going to get all of them out of hell and send them in. I want you to hear me based on the Word of God. 
Our Lord is not going to do that, ladies and So in order to save a sinner and do it right, how do you know he did it right? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He wasn't sly and crooked to forgive. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Here's how he had to do it. He had to send His only begotten Son to earth. The Son of God who lived sinlessly, then died vicariously. Let me tell you what that word means. That means He died for you and He died for me. It's an exchange. Jesus took my filthy sin and because of the power of His blood, He gave me the holy righteousness of God. I'm telling you, God's greatest work, the salvation of a sinner on the old rugged cross, God did it right. God did it justly. God did it honorably. The Bible, all you're going to do tonight is talk about God? I hope so. I feel honored you. See, that's what I'm trying to do, frankly. He's a great God. Oh, uh, verse 4. He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. He's gracious and full of compassion. More preaching there than, oh my. Have y'all heard about the dichotomy the line they're trying to draw between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. It, it, it's the meat and potatoes of many a seminary in America now to depict the Old Testament God as a bully, as a hate monger, as a, as a God with whom you'd want nothing to do. And then, of course, there's little Jesus. Never would upset anybody. The so-called God of the... New Testament. I just want to make an announcement. Same God all the way through, bless you. You say, Brother Bagwell, you sure better read that fourth verse that he's gracious and full of compassion. Yep, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and the uh, fire and brimstone fell, see, see if I get, but he got Lot and all his family that would come out of there before the fire fell. That's graciousness. That's graciousness. Yes, yes, he destroyed Jericho. I mean, the walls fell down, killed everybody around there. But, have y'all heard this? There's a little old harlot girl. Her name was Rahab. God had touched her heart. She got saved by grace through faith. And God spared Rahab and her family. Yeah, we're talking Old Testament, but I'm talking a God of grace nonetheless. Verse 4. Oh, 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 I miss it. He has made his wonderful works. To be remembered. Right before we came back this afternoon as I studying, I, I just used my laptop and went to the book of Deuteronomy. I was particularly interested in the book of Deuteronomy. And, and I said, search and find for me every time the or, or word remember comes up. I just remembered Moses all the way through Deuteronomy. He said, don't forget. Don't forget what God did for you. You better remember. Seventeen times in Deuteronomy. Remember, remember, remember. God said, you better remember what I did to Pharaoh. You better remember those ten plagues. You better remember you're a bunch of slaves down there and I came and gave you liberty and rescued you and set you free. Hallelujah. Remember, all right now, I, I, I can't preach any more of the detail. I got to apply it. Some of us better remember what he's done in our lives. I'm pretty sure of this. Those miracles in the Bible are recorded for a reason. Oh, oh, have you heard? I mean, this is after the parting of the Red Sea. This is 40 years later. Jews are ready to go into the land of Canaan, but, but there's this river in the way. It's called the Jordan. 
and is about out of its banks. And God, I guess you can part a sea, you can part a river. Could I get her name? God parted the waters of the Jordan River. Right at two million Jews walked across. Heaps of water on this side. Water gone on that side. They came out safe and sound. As far as I know, not one of them was lost. Oh my, they're going to go into the land of Canaan. Oh, they're fixing to, they're fixing to enjoy the milk and honey. God's reserved. God, they're battles, but God's going to give them the victory. But God said, hold up. Wait a minute. said, I want you to pick up ten big rocks out of the river. Biggest ones you can find. Twelve. I'm shorting the Lord two rocks here. Said, I want the head of each tribe to, I'm talking boulders, I guess. Where you want them, Lord? Pile them up here on the side of the river. Twelve rocks high. It don't sound like the Lord. You know, he's not into a lot of these trinkets. Why? Said, one of these days you're going to tell the story of how I parted the Jordan River and got y'all across. Said, your kids are going to learn it. They're going to believe it. But said, every now and then when you get down that way, said, there's going to be that big pile of rocks there. Said, they're going to ask you, Daddy, Grandpa, what mean these stones? What's that all about? Could you tell me the story? What mean? Don't you see God said, I want something by which you can remember. I want something by which you can go back. God parted the river. God saved us alive. We're in the land of Canaan. And those stones are a testimony of what God did for us. I don't know if that's resonating or not yet. Let me try it a different way. You better never forget he saved your soul from hell. I know a boy, I could tell you the city, it's in North Carolina where he lives. The church had outgrown his facilities, rebuilding, built a beautiful structure. But in the structure, of course, every, you know things are going to be different. They'll get new carpet and everything. The little fellow got upset. Gary, he didn't cause no big commotion, but he got upset. He said, you mean you ain't going to have the carpet? And that dude said, I got saved on that carpet. You ain't going to have that carpet in a new building? They said, no, brother, it wouldn't match. It's worn out on top of that. Got some holes in it here and there. He said, no, we're going to get new carpet. Oh, he wouldn't have it. He said, here, here, here. He said, I, I know what God did for me. He said, it's right down there. He said, it's about two feet right of the pulpit. He said, I was on my knees. I was calling and, and carrying on. And, and God put me under Holy Ghost conviction. And, and I got saved. And, and uh, I don't advocate this. But you know what that wise pastor did? He took him a razor blade knife. He went over there last service. He ripped that carpet up. He rolled it up and gave it to that boy. He said, take it home, nail it on the wall, and never forget what God did for you there. Now, I'm not suggesting you find the carpet where you got saved and take it home with you. That might tear up some altars and some churches. But I am saying this. Don't you forget it. You have some means. You have some way where you'll remember God has done some great things in your life. Does that make any sense at all? Uh, I'm getting behind, aren't I? Ever be mindful. Uh, 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 no. Uh, uh, where am I? Oh, to be remembered, verse 4, verse 5. Quickly. Let me, hold on, let me look at something. I've been preaching 36 minutes and 11 seconds. Are y'all all right? Can you go a while longer? I'll speed up. The Lord willing. Verse 5. He hath given meat unto them that fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. Brother Roy, I'm determined. I may not get to verse 10. It's just my, this thing's loaded. 
Y'all never seen an apple tree when it was a bumper crop year? Those apples are all over that thing and those limbs start bowing down. I've seen limbs break and the weight of the fruit was so heavy. Boy, that's the way I'm feeling tonight. This thing is a loaded. I have no idea. Uh, just between me and you and the gatepost, they may be a Psalm 111 book one of these days. Oh, I'm loving, I'm loving what I see here. He hath given meat to them that fear Him. Alright, now this is really going out on a limb. Uh, uh, how many of y'all believe God even supplies our food yet today? He brought in some pretty good barbecue, didn't he, at lunch today? We had barbecue. And all the trimmings, all the fixing, and it was the... Let me tell you what I think is going on, preacher. I think the psalmist under the direction of the Holy Ghost is reviewing some things God did for the Jews when He brought them out of Egypt across the Jordan, across the Red Sea and the, into the Promised Land. Now what in the world would you base that on? Well, I just read it. One reason. He hath given meat unto them that fear Him. I'm going to make an announcement. God fed two million people 40 years in the wilderness. Will I get an amen? Miraculously. How in the world did God do that? It's called manna. M-A-N-N-A. Manna. It was round. It was white. It tasted like wafers with honey. It beat any multivitamin you've ever put in your mouth. It was sufficient to do the job. God, the psalmist says, knows how to spread a table in the wilderness. Hallelujah. God said, don't, don't forget it. You better remember how I fed you. And I just want to say this. won't take 30 seconds. God sure has fed me pretty good in my lifetime. How about you? Spiritually speaking, and I don't know if y'all are getting a thing out of this, but spiritually speaking, I'm at, I'm at Golden Corral tonight. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying what he's feeding us. Meat. Oh, you'll ever be mindful of his covenant. He'll ever be mindful of his covenant. See, see if you'll amen it. You don't have to. I don't think I'll ever forget when he saved me. But here's the beauty of it. He won't ever forget when he saved me. I was preaching in Alabama in a meeting one year, several years ago, a number of years ago. And uh, checking out, going to preach Sunday morning, start a new meeting up toward the Atlanta areas. A couple hour drive, two and a half hour drive. And uh, uh, I wanted a late checkout. I wanted to be able to preach and get back to the motel real quick, get out of my wet suit, wet clothes. And, and uh, I talked to a little clerk there that morning, and she said, no, I talked to her the night before. After service, she was working. And I just said, ma'am, could I... Have a late checkout tomorrow. She said, Preacher, sure you can. Said, I'll, I'll see to it that you get a late checkout. I said, I I'll be gone by 1.30. No later, surely I thought I could preach and get back. And I preached and they enjoyed fellowship, but I didn't stay. Busy afternoon driving. I got with clothes chains, got that last bag packed and went up to the desk. It wasn't even one thirty. And the lady at the desk, I'll never forget what she said. She said, Sir, you're late leaving the room. And she said, I'm going to have to charge you for another night. And I don't know what got into me. I wasn't paying for another night, ladies and gentlemen. I said, no, ma'am, you don't understand. I was guaranteed a late checkout, and I, I'm just honoring that guarantee. I, I'm in a hurry. i got to go to Atlanta now and preach. She said, who gave you that late checkout? I, I'm preaching on God. Don't ever forget this covenant. 
I said, well, I don't know, but I described her, and I said, she was here last night, and, and, uh, and she said, there is no record for you. A late checkout. She said, $60, please. You ever tried to get $60 out of a Baptist preacher? And I said, ma'am, I don't be ugly. I don't lose my testimony. But I said, I'm not paying that $60. I said, I was guaranteed a late checkout. And she looked around and she said, do you see the person that gave you the late checkout? And I didn't. I guess she's at home. She worked the night tip. I said, no. And she said it real smart. Do you see the person? That guy got in the flesh almost, folks. Do you see the person that gave you the late check? I said, no, ma'am, I don't. It's another 10, 15 minutes. And they finally, still don't know her name, were able to contact her. And she said, oh my goodness, I meant to write that down. I promised that man a late checkout. You all will have to. And they looked up and said, sir, you don't owe a thing. Well, I knew I didn't owe nothing to begin with. Well, you don't owe a thing. Why did I take four minutes to tell that corny story? Here it is. You better be sure the person that made you the promise is on duty when you check out. I learned that the hard way. Be sure the person who made you the promise is on duty. You've got to have a little room. When you check out. Oh, could I make an announcement tonight? As a lad, God Almighty made me a promise. Jesus moved in my heart, washed me in the blood of the Lamb, saved my soul from hell, and if I got some good news, He'll be on duty. He'll be at the desk when I check out, when I go in the glory. I'm so glad God remembers His covenant. Hallelujah. He's a wonderful God. Is he not? <laughs> Verse 6. I'm not get it all in, y'all. I'm at 44 now. 44.35. Uh, I don't exactly know. Can you go 10 more minutes? Y'all say that again. I'm going to ask the same question. Can you go 10 more minutes? <laughs> I hope that got on the recording. <laughs> he has shown His people the power of His works that He may give them the heritage. The word is possession. That He may give them the heritage of the heathen. God said, it's in my plan. I'm going to give you the heritage of the heathen, the possessions of the heathen. Now, there's this big rigmarole, don't know if you've heard about it, around Israel and the Holy Land, and, and, uh, and they say, whose land is it? To whom does it belong? Well, I, why, why? <clears throat> when the Jews went across the, prom went across the river into the promised land, God gave them, God gave them a possession. God gave them the inheritance of the heathen. Heathen who had hated God, denied God, sacrificed their children to God. And God gave them that land. That's how big my God is. Hallelujah. I know who owns that land. God gave it to His people. Could I say this? That's a mighty big work of God right there. It's in the real estate business. Now I'm maybe all the works of God's hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are true. Hey, hey, now we're talking about his commandments. Remember, I told you it goes from his works to his commandments. And you those are the commandments of God. That is the word of God. In Psalm 119, God's commandments equates 
to God's Word. Now, we're not talking about His works. We're talking about His words, the Word of God. His commandments are sure. Say that word sure. I'm going to spell the word sure. Word for word. I'm no, no. Letter for letter. It transliterates into English. Here is that word sure. God's commandments are sure. A M E N. A M E N. That's the Hebrew word for sure. Rock solid. On the right foundation. I can sum up that the Bible's got 1,189 chapters. It's got 31,102 verses. I can sum it up in one word. I hope you'll help me out. Amen. It's got, amen in Hebrew means truth. That book is God's truth. It not merely contains the truth. It's not part of the truth. It is the truth. Hallelujah. Well, they stand fast forever and ever. They're done in truth and righteousness. Oh, verse 9, verse 9. I can't preach it. I'm not going to take the time to preach it. You gave me 10 more minutes. That book right there, that book right there is the key. That book right there is the secret of God's blessings on our lives. I'll try to prove it tomorrow night and again Tuesday night. The more you love that book, get me two or three amen, the more God will bless you in your Christian experience. Verse 9. He sent redemption to His people. <laughs> he hath commanded His covenant forever. Holy and reverend is His name. He has sent redemption to His people. That word, that word sent is amazing. It's an agriculture word. It's a farming word. It means to scatter like you're sowing seed. In an openly plow, a sower went forth to sow. And some fell on good ground, some on rocky ground, thorny ground. He has sent forth, isn't that the way it puts it? He has sent forth, He has sent forth redemption. He sent redemption unto His people. Here's Jesus. He's just slinging it everywhere. What's He slinging? The seed of the Word of God. This verse says He's slinging a need and amen. Redemption to His people. Alright, that's not working. Let me try this. Anybody here been redeemed? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's good to be redeemed. Hallelujah. He is sent. I, I realize everyone would not agree with what I'm about to say, but I'm compelled of the Holy Ghost to say it. As Jesus. Oh, I, I got to get it further back. Balcony. Oh, that's a long way. Sort of makes me believe, if I get another, Jesus died for everybody. Jesus said, God commandeth men to repent. If God commanded men to repent, I'm thinking Jesus died for them. So if they did repent, help me, God can save them from their sin. He sent redemption. The word redemption literally means, and I could... It means to be ransomed. All right, let me say this. I may not get to verse 10. I may have to tap on it a little bit tomorrow night as we, as we segue into, into Psalm 112. Uh, uh, the word redemption, it means ransom. Did I tell you that? It means ransom. I've been ransomed. I got kidnapped by the devil. It's my own fault. 
I'm stupid and dumb, fell into sin. I was born into sin. And the old devil, but oh, oh, hallelujah to God. And I'm not saying Jesus paid the devil to get me free. He's paid. He's satisfied. I have been set free. There's a ransom price been paid for this old boy right here tonight. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Oh, you're somebody tonight. He died for you. Ransom. Ransom to his people. Then I'll, I'll close with this. Holy and reverend is his name. Holy and reverend is his name. Kodesh, holy, it means set apart. I'll put my Bible right here. They say, no, I don't like it there. I would lift it and I would put it on this side of the beautiful uh, arrangement here, set apart. Mile further down the road, totally different. Let me tell you something about the name of Jesus. Excuse my bad grammar. Ain't no other name like it. Holy is His name. Heard a fellow preaching, this is years ago, on the old CD, Real to Real. That's not CD. Oh, tape, that's the word. You all remember them as a reel and had tape, and you put it through this recording, he's preaching. And he said he didn't know about carrying on over the name of Jesus. Sort of got mocking some of us. He said they act like it's something magic. In that name. Mock the song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Sort of riled me up. I want to make an announcement tonight. It ain't magic, but it is the sweetest name I've ever heard. Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Aren't you glad you consider that name holy and reverent and honorable and worthy of eternal praise? Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Will you agree? There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, glory to His name. Holy, set apart, different is His name, and reverent. Preacher, that's the only time the word reverent is used in the Bible. See if you get it. Just, just. 90 seconds. Uh, Jesus is reverent Jesus. Holy and reverent is his name. I was just a kid preacher years ago. And I went up to a dear man of God and, and I, I dressed him as reverend so-and-so. Well, that's what you did. Oh, did he get all over me. He said, boy, don't you ever call me reverend again. He said, I will not answer to that title. He said the word reverend is used one time in the Word of God, only one time in the Word of God, and it's not talking about a human being. It's not talking about an individual. It's talking about our great God. It's talking about our Savior. I'm not going to press the point. Never would be ugly to anybody that chose to use it as an appellation for, for the fact they're a clergyman or a preacher. But Jesus, He is the reverend one. Is his name. Sorry I didn't get to verse 10. I sure did try. We'll look at it tomorrow. Is his what? Name. Sheem. Spell S H E M. Sheem. Noah's three sons, Ham, Shem, we say in Japheth, is Sheem. What does it mean? Somebody's name. In Hebrew. In fact, look it up in the dictionary lexicon. The word name means this. See if you get it. Reputation. Renown. Fame. I don't know if this is a good way to end or not, but here it comes. My Savior, we call Him Jesus. Oh, what a reputation He's got. 
Oh, the renown. Oh, the glory. Oh, the fame that he will have. He was God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. Took upon himself the form of a slave, of a servant, and being found in fashion as a man. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. That's so he could pardon us, redeem us. And, uh, and wherefore, wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus ever knee should bow ever tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord oh yeah holy and reverend is that name Psalm 11 is all about our heavenly father it's all about God it's all about Jesus now that sort of clears the runway except for verse 10 so tomorrow night we can start in Psalm 112. And I can stand here and tell you if you love Him, if you're separated, dedicated, sold out to Him, if you delight in that Bible you're holding in your hand, now this is country, God Almighty will bless the daylights out of you. Oh, y'all don't know that word, daylights. I can tell right now. I'll tell you, God, God will bless the tar out of you. Open the windows of heaven. Pour you out a blessing. You won't be able to handle them. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. In prayer, would you stand with us? My, 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 how respectful you've been to the Word of God this evening. Someone's coming to sing. Have a brief invitation. Well, Brief or not, that's up to God, I guess. Preacher, what do you want me to do? You know, all you've done is tried to lift high the glory of God. And that's indeed what the psalm does. I don't know, it might not be a bad idea that I'd never make you. I'd never put a guilt trip on you if you don't respond. But it might not be a bad idea tonight for somebody to nestle in down here around this old-fashioned altar and just let your great God know how thankful you are that He saved you. How appreciative you are that He offered you pardon. He redeemed you by His marvelous grace. Might be worth a trip to the altar tonight for somebody to say, Praise ye the Lord. You don't have to make a big commotion. You can if you feel led. Just tell Him you love Him and thank Him and glorify Him and, and praise Him a little. Hallelujah! The Hebrew would have it. Then if you're going to do it, do it with your whole heart. You say, preacher, I would, but there's a little sin. Deal with it. Confess that sin and love Him then with your whole heart. Hallelujah to His name. Somebody remind Him of a great work He did in your life. Don't forget it remember it before him this evening maybe when he saved you maybe when he spared your life maybe maybe when he seems to have worked a miracle in your life oh somebody ought to come tonight thank him that he's holy and he's reverent and he deserves all of our respect all of our honor all of our glory Somebody ought to thank Him. He's gracious. I didn't get to preach it much. Full of compassion. Oh, what a loving God He is. I think we're going to get to sing a little bit about that name, maybe. Oh, keep praying, keep worshiping, keep loving Him. Just listen to me. See if your spirit agrees with this great song.
Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Some more. I'm listening. His name is Jesus. 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 Let Again, would that be possible while they're praying? I don't want to be ashamed of message and for God sending the message for you and I being able to hear the message. Appreciate appreciate it so much. The ushers going to come we receive the evening offering which will be uh, totally to the evangelist. If you will uh, consider giving to the Lord's appreciate Brother Bagwell stays on the road just about all the time. Brother Gang come up here please and, and uh, ask blessings on the offering and thank you for coming everyone let's pray Father we want to thank you for the message we want to thank you for the messenger Father I want to thank you God for saving my soul Father you are holy and righteous altogether lovely separate from sinners undefiled and God I just want to thank you for, for the precious name the name of Jesus Christ Lord God I pray Father that you would Bless this congregation, you know, our desires, our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd put inside of us this week the desire to read and study Psalms 112. We bless you. We'll honor you, God, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.